So you want to rock an aesthetics career? <laughs> yes, please. Welcome to a brand new episode of Illuminating the Path, where you'll get your weekly shot of real career direction. And maybe a little tea. I'm Patty. Carissa here. Coming straight to you from the world's beauty mecca. LA, baby. Illuminating the Path starts now. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, this week, ooh, I'm so excited this week. We have so much going on. Um, we're in the process of really embracing some of the newer, greater treatments out there that are just kind of, I mean, why would you ever go under the knife if you have all this amazing stuff going on? It's just so great, the options that are out there. And so one of the new trends, one of the new like amazing, I mean, they're not that new, but they're new to us. Um, is more of that just fulfillment under the skin level, just giving more of that zhuzh, if you will. And we've been getting into the new exciting uh, product lines that are now out there. It's not just one of PDO threads. And it's been just like so eye-opening. I'm super excited to be chatting today with our guest. Um, she comes to us from Dallas, I believe, and she is an expert in this area. Uh, without further ado, let's invite Marissa back. Welcome back, Marissa. Well, hello. I'm always and- here. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome Jess House. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to be talking to you today. So much to cover. So good. I mean, as far as everything that that the threads are doing these days, where do we start? Um, Marissa, you have some good clinical questions to go into, but before we get started, how'd you guys meet? It's actually a really funny story. So I've met a lot of clinicians and other aesthetic providers from Instagram, but the way that I met Jess was a little bit different. So I had worked at a practice very briefly and she knew the doctor that I worked for and she sends me a message. I I don't even know if we were following each other. You must've been following me. I'm not sure, but you Mm -hmm. sent me a message saying, wait a minute, why don't you work for so-and-so anymore? And I was like, and you are? (laughs) (laughs) No, do I know you? (laughs) Um, it was, it was actually very forward of her to ask that, but I, <laughs> we just started going back and forth and exchanging messages. And I realized like, this girl is really cool. Like she, her and I get along really well. So we've met actually once she's from Santa Clarita where I live now and she's now in Texas. So we met briefly, but we, we text all the time. I consider her one of my good faraway friends and I'm so lucky that we are able to talk to her today. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's amazing the people that you meet on Instagram, uh, whether you're being nosy or not, but yeah, <laughs> like we just kind of all of a sudden just kind of start that dialogue in the messages like, Hey, did you see this? And we're also, um, you know, members of a few different, um, Facebook groups. Um, so it's just, it's always interesting because there's something, there's always something new being presented on some of these forums, whether it's going to be, you know, Facebook or Instagram, there's always something that pops up. And so you go, did you see this? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Like, what do you think the outcome of that is? And have you had experience with this? And I think in this field, um, I think this field can be very, um, can sometimes feel very un- inclusive, right? It can, it can, you know, we do this, you know, competition or community over competition type of thing, or we say that, but then it's like, you don't necessarily see that. Right. So I, I, I hope that people understand that, like, um, 
you just need to reach out and talk and talk to other injectors. And, you know, you'd be surprised. Some of them are just so approachable and we want you to do well. And, you know, I would say, you know, you're not my competition. I'm my competition, right. you know? So I think, I think, you know, that needs to be kind of talked about a little bit more. Um, it's not about, you know, being cool. It's about making us better in the industry better. So I, I'm so, I love, I love that we've become friends. <laughs> I thought you were nosy that day. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We're all a little nosy sometimes. It's funny. I always tell Marissa, I'm like, gosh, you have a lot of questions. <laughs> She's a very inquisitive person. And it. actually it helps you keep saying, I mean, it's helped me stay on my toes. So yeah, it's always a good thing. Um, so you're, you've got a long history and, and just amazing journey in the metastatic space, but you started as a statistician and then worked your way into more of the medical side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, to kind of make a long story short, I just was never a very good student, um, you know, and it had a lot to do with my upbringing. Um, just, it was not a priority in my household. They didn't care. Um, so I was never a good student. So, you know, here I went, you know, to the community college in, in my area and I just didn't thrive. And I was like, well, I'm just, you know, in my own mind, I'm like, I'm not a good student. Right. Like I, that's just not for me. What do I want to do that? I, I like, I got to do something. Right. So I went to, um, an aesthetic program. I said, Hey, I like skin. I had horrible acne. I had horrible acne. I mean, I used to get up at five o'clock in the morning, take a full shower, blow dry my hair and put on cinema secrets. <laughs> makeup. And if you know what that is, you know what I mean? Like that is some heavy stuff yeah. because I was so, I had such terrible acne. I was trying to cover it up. Of course, I probably made myself look a thousand times worse. Um, but I just was like, well, I'm, I, I can relate to that. I, I can relate to somebody really struggling with some, you know, skincare pro, uh, problems. So I went into that, did that, but of course it was around 2006 when we had an economic decline and a lot of these med spas started to go under, you know, a lot of places, you know, these strip malls all of a sudden didn't have places anymore. So I found myself really struggling and I went to work at the local Macy's and I worked at the Longcomb counter and I worked there just part-time and I was having my second child and, you know, it just worked well for me. Um, and I realized that I couldn't afford the product that I was selling. And when I was in the hospital and I was having my second child, I had the same nurse that I had with my first child five years prior. And I thought, you know, we're talking and she goes, well, I have ADD. This is like the best, you know, I told, told her I had ADD and she's like, this is like the best field because you're constant. She's like, I got to write everything down, but like, you're constantly going. This is such a great field to be a nurse. And I said, I want to be her, you know? And so within six months of having my second child, I was enrolled at West coast university, um, in, um, North Hollywood and started from bare bones, went through, finished nursing school. Um, I started working at children's hospital, Los Angeles on the infectious disease floor. And very quickly, my, my life changed and I needed a second job. So I started working for a large chain out there. Um, it's a large chain, uh, and they do a lot of lasers as some people might not, not know, but in California, you can't fire a laser unless you have a minimum of a registered nurse's license. Right. And so, you know, they're heavy on lasers, but also did injectables. And so that's how I started. Right. So I started with this being like a, a supplemental type of thing. I kind of, I felt like I was kind of coming home, falling back into what I, my comfort zone, I had a lot of knowledge in, in skin and skincare. And I was just kind of adding on to that. 
Um, and then I realized I was working myself to death and I had to pick one or the other. So I was like, all right, aesthetics. And I was so sad to leave pediatrics, but I feel like now looking back, it was absolutely God's plan, you know, or the universe's plan that I, I left. Cause I mean, you know, I probably would have, you know, been fired or something, but, um, so I started in this journey in Los Angeles, the company I worked for was expanding to the Texas region. Los Angeles is extremely expensive place to live. And with one income, it was really just not working anymore. So we were like, okay, let's look into going to Texas. So worked for that company for a little bit longer in Texas. And I've branched out since then. Um, the big thing that changed for me was in 2020 when the epidemic hit or the pandemic. Um, and I mean, I lost my job who didn't, I mean, I'm sure y'all experienced like, uh, oh crap, this is a want to, and not a have to, right? Like I don't, nobody has to have their Botox. Nobody has to have some of these services. So a lot of us got laid off if you weren't self-employed and then if you were self-employed, you're going, oh crap, how am I keeping my business open? So it was really a very shaky time. Um, but I'm, I'm blessed. I'm really blessed. And I had connections with certain people and I had spoken to Lewis, um, who's the owner at national laser Institute, which I actually, um, you know, I owe him, uh, you know, uh, a lot, you know, I'm very, very grateful for him because he gave me the opportunity to work. And so in Texas, we actually opened up about may of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a little bit earlier than even Los Angeles was opening up. So I was, I had an opportunity to start working, you know, it was very challenging, but, uh, National Laser Institute started, um, doing classes. I had been a clinical trainer, um, for the big company that I worked for. So I know, you know, I know how to teach and I knew how to like, kind of put things in certain ways. So he hired me as their, their lead instructor at National Laser Institute in Dallas. And so I taught all of the classes, you know, from talks, you know, uh, Botox, Dysport, all those things, filler, um, I was teaching PRP. What was the other one I was teaching? I was teaching a whole bunch of different ones, just kind of like a lot of things, but PDO threads were one thing that I just, I'd never done before. And, you know, I kind of heard good things and I heard bad things and I was like, well, okay. And so he's like, I want you to teach all the classes. So I'm going to have somebody teach you how to do PDO threads so you can teach the classes, which is a little cavalier, right? It's a little, little cowboy, but it's worked for him in the past. So I was like, okay, I pay, hey, I'm no newbie here. Like I got it. I, you know, I'm a quick learner. I can do this. Right. So I was taught them to teach them. And I got to tell you, like, I, I mean, when my eyes go like this, <laughs> it's because I was like, the first time, I mean, she's, oh, and you do this and you're going to do this. And we're just going to, and we're, we're yanking up on the skin and the patient's like going like this. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like sweating, you know, I'm sweating and I'm going, oh my gosh. And like, I'm torturing this poor patient. And, and then the results were like, meh, in my opinion, my opinion. Okay. Um, and I was just like, I don't want to do this. I don't even want to, I don't want to do it, let alone teach it like screw that. Right. So, and this is me, I'm, I mean, I've been doing injectables hands-on all these things for years and years, very confident, all the other arenas. Right. So that's why I think PDO threads are so unique because it really is so different than what we do every day. Right. It doesn't quite fit in there, but it absolutely has a place. Right. So I was like, well, shoot, I it's, it's, it's so funny to be put in a humble place again, 
as somebody that's been doing it for such a long time. Cause I really was like, I suck, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I suck at this. Like I have no business doing this. This is terrible. And so I tried teaching one class because, you know, you put yourself in stupid situations, you know, and I walked out and I'm like, I'm never coming back. You, you can never have me, but I'm never coming. I was like sweating. It was hard for the, the, the students, I, you know, cause it's so tactile. It's such a, it's such a challenging thing to teach, especially when you have the wrong equipment on top of it. And I can, t- I'll talk a little bit more about like the differences in manufacturers and the differences in cannulas, because they really do make a huge difference and the technique, right? The technique makes a huge difference as well. All these things together and the support can really make it really doable and the results very pretty. So, but if you have something like this, where it's like, I got poorly educated, I, the, the cannula was hard to put through the tissue. I mean, you think for that result? Yeah. No wonder there's people out there that think, gosh, this sucks. So I said, I'm never coming back until you give me another educated, like I have to have more hands-on, right? Like this is no good. So they brought somebody in who has lots of hands-on with uh, threads and she taught me again. And I felt like, okay, I liked the way she was doing it. This makes sense to me. And I was able to teach it from that point on. Well, I started at a new, um, a new spa in Dallas um, and they wanted to bring on PDO threads. They saw the, the potential. And at that point I was seeing the potential. I knew it was there, but I wasn't like insanely excited about it. So I started kind of looking in, I, I looked into the, the threads that we were using at NLI and they just weren't matching up with what I was interested in. And, and they're a good company and they have a good reputation, but we weren't like kind of I wanted FDA clearance. I wanted, you know, a little bit more, um, education. So I kind of, I went out and I Googled all the different types of threads that are on the market and PDO max was the first one to pop up, um, and respond to me. They're FDA cleared in cannula. There's all these things that I really, really liked about them. And not only that, but the, I mean, very responsive, right? So the owner came out to train me. Cause I said, Hey, I'll take all the training that I can get. This is a different product. Maybe they have different technique. And I have to say it was completely different. And I'm not just saying that because I am, I mean, all, you know, being very um, straightforward and honest, I work for them now, you know, I'm a trainer. Um, So it's not because of that by any means. I really was like, oh my gosh, you just, this is like a totally different cannula. It's an L shape. So it like slips through the, the tissue really well. The, the technique that she was showing with the hands-on, I was getting these lifts that I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I see why there's such a weird flow out there, you know, in the universe where there's like, people are like, eh, I hated it. No, I was like, oh, no, uh, we, we, we did it. We tried it. We're not ever caring. And then people are like, this is, this is awesome. And we love it. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so then I started training for them. Um, and I did tons and tons of threads at that, that, uh, med spa that I was at. Um, and, uh, and from there, I just, you know, wherever I go, I'm bringing those PDO threads right behind me. And, and, and I think what's, what's upsetting is that not everybody's a, can, a candidate for them. So I think that that also is part of what, um, you know, people aren't realizing, like they try to fit all these people into this, you know, wedge. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily, um, for everyone. 
Yeah, that was one of our questions was who are good candidates and bad candidates? Because I'll be the first to, to admit, and I told you this, Jess, that the results that I've seen with threads have been underwhelming. I've had patients come in saying that they got threads done and there was, I take pictures of them every time and I didn't see really any difference at all. And they were underwhelmed. Yeah. So what, what would you say are good candidates and bad candidates for PDO threads? Yeah. And I think that that's really the hugest thing. So here's the thing. I hate to say ages, right? I hate to say ages because there's some, I mean, there's a lovely patient that came into me she's a grandmother. Um, she's, um, I want to say Korean, I mean, you know, but beautiful structure, right? Like beautiful structure and beautiful skin. And she looks great. And she's like in her seventies and I did a PDO lift on her and it's gorgeous. Right. But it's really about tissue, uh, laxity heaviness. It's about, does this tissue move? Does this tissue not move? So there is a, there is an age. So, you know, younger is fine. They have good tissue. I'm not going to say that there's any like limitations on the, the younger side, but once you get menopausal postmenopausal, there's going to be a shift because we do have that dermal thinning. So you have to be mindful. Like, and of course that's when the women come in and they go, Oh, I want something, but it's really the, the patients that are probably late twenties, to about 50, 55. And again, I don't like to put an age on that just because, you know, there's outliers, but really it's those people that are not face look, facelift candidates yet. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with someone and I'm like, you know, I, you have to understand this is not a facelift, you know, like you may get beautiful results, um, from this, but it's not going to last because the tissue here is so heavy and, and I'm pointing to, you know, my jowl area, right? So the jowl area is actually one of the areas that, I mean, I think historically are, is just one of the most challenging areas for us all to treat because it's that dissension of the fat pads, the laxity of the skin and the tissue, the fact that the ligaments are starting to become strained and they're not really retaining as they used to, right? So this little jowl area is really what people come in and they go, I hate this. This is, this is a problem. Well, historically we've placed filler in front of it, right? Cause we're going to try to camouflage that. And I'm not saying that I don't still do that, but what we really want to do is we want to take this entire sheet, which is this big cheek area, right? From, um, you know, the, the pre-jowl area up through the nose and then back. And we want to reposition this in an up and lifted area, um, way it's, it's basically a reapproximation of tissue, right? So if I go like this to somebody in the assessment, that's why I always say, like, I think people think I just want like somebody to come in, and, but that's not what I'm saying. I have to touch you in order to see whether you're a good candidate. If somebody's saying, oh yeah, you're a great candidate and it's all online and they're just kind of going, oh yeah, you're a great candidate. How do they know? They got to touch your tissue and move it. So yeah, if I you're can, moving, yeah, you're moving your face up just for our listeners that aren't seeing you, like you're lifting yeah. your face up, like patients say, I want to lift. How many times have you had somebody come in and they go, I want you to do this. Little, little, little. <laughs> yeah. And they pull up on their face. Right. So, um, that's what this is. And if you get, you get somebody that they pull up in this upper cheek area, this lateral cheek area, and they pull up and you get a lift in this area they're a good candidate. You want to see it move a little bit. Right. But if you go like this and they have too much weight to their face, like they're, they're, um, I mean, 
talking BMI wise, they're obese or morbidly obese, right? Um, which is not that heavy guys. Um, you know, if you go like this and nothing moves here, they're not a good candidate. Like, I'm not going to take your money. Forget that. You know what I mean? But they get, they're still getting this heaviness here. Let's talk about other things. Let's talk about building up in, in certain areas, just to kind of camouflage. But I always have that conversation about weight loss, you know, weight loss. And, um, you know, I'm very, very frank about, um, who's a good candidate, who is not a good candidate. Um, there's different thread sizes. Okay. And that's also, a. a I think people don't understand, right? Like, so there's two different types of threads. There's the suspension ones that are lifting. And those are the ones you see that are going to lift in this area. Then there's the little guys. They're like this and they look like little needles. And those are the ones that you see. I will not name names, but you'll see, and they have them like a million all over their face. And it's, it's, it's cool looking. It's clickbait and, you know, that's all well, you know, like they just look like they're pinhead from, you know, was it Hellraiser? Um, those are great for collagen stimulation. Um, I sent Marissa, a um, a photo the other day and I was like, this stuff kills me. Right. So it was a photo of somebody doing a training, not with PDO max with a different, um, manufacturer. And they were using these little guys to create a collagen, you know, simulation underneath the skin, the little guys they are called mono threads. Um, and we call them smooth threads. Um, and if you place it in certain areas in a crosshatch fashion, it'll actually create a little bit of a scaffolding underneath the skin. It's really, really pretty, especially if you have delicate skin. Well, it's really great for anybody, but delicate skin, it really seems to give some support in that area. Mm. Um, and I sent her this photo and I was like, this is, I, you don't have to be an expert to see that this is in the wrong plane. So these little guys need to be intradermal right? So when you're putting them underneath the skin, you should see the skin snagging as you go. It's kind of like a wake, you know, from the back of a boat, you know? So you should actually see like kind of a tugging throughout the dermis because you are intradermal. Now, if you aren't seeing that, then you're, you're subdermal and you're not doing any collagen stimulation in the dermis. You're not creating anything, but here's somebody that was being trained by someone and she goes, Oh, coming soon. This is going to be great. But it was, it was subdermal and I'm thinking shit, sorry, shoot, you know, I just like, this is what I see all the time that it's not, it's not going to give, it's not going to give the results that it really is deserved. Right. Like you really deserve these results. So, um, I think that that's where I feel there's some hot and cold out there on the, on the internet, right? Is that like, oh, well, in some ways people are getting really great results. And then other, you know, other people are reporting that it's crap. Well, there are, there's crap techniques. There's crap trainers, just like in filler or talks, right? There's crap techniques, there's crap product, there's crap, you know, but it's just that our, we've already been inundated with, you know, all these fillers and talks. So we know that there's good. It just, time will show that PDO threads do have a place. I always talk about having all the tricks in my bag, you know, it, PDO threads, isn't always the thing that I go for. I'm a trainer, but it doesn't mean that that's, that's like the first thing I pull do you need sculpture? Do you need talks? Do you need lasers? Right. Do you need micro needling? Do you, I mean, 
what do we need first? And then are you even a good candidate for that reapproximation of tissue for the, the suspension ones, right? And mm-hmm. those ones are really, really, um, they're safe. Um, there used to be a time where they were PLLAs, which they're still on the market. Some of them are still out there, um, or even permanent threads. A's for the, the listeners that don't know what that is. So that's a, um, so those are like kind of like a sculptra, but it's not, um, it, it's, it's a chemical compound. What these are, are dissolvable sutures, right? So the PDO threads are true dissolvable sutures. And what are nice about those, what's nice about those is that when they dissolve, I, when we talk about dissolvable sutures, we think, oh, it just dissolves and go away. It goes away. It doesn't. So like if you had a C-section and you had internal sutures, those dissolvable sutures, that's what PDO threads are. So what that is, is it's that your body breaks it down, but simultaneously it replaces it with collagen. So that's why these fundamental, you know, lifting with that, you know, that's going to stay not just for the five months that that thread is there, it's being replaced by your own collagen in this area when we're putting, you know, in the dermis when we're doing the the mono threads right it's being replaced by your own collagen that's what it's doing in with some of the other chemical compounds that have come prior that may be great in different ways right um in a thread it's caused irritation right so because it's a it's a actual um solid uh, material. Right. Um, and then there's, there was permanent ones. So there was about 20 years ago where it's like, man, we really had a bad, bad rap because they sucked. You know what I mean? Like there was people that were having, I think about a permanent thread coming up here and then holding this all up, you know, like hold, or I, I'm talking about like my eyebrows. Right. So if you're, if you're holding all this up with a permanent thread and you're moving your, your eyebrows at all, That frontalis muscle, that forehead muscle is going to cause irritation every single time it moves. So we were getting tons of scar tissue. Um, It just like, there was just a ton of crazy stuff out there. Um, And so it kind of got a bad rap. And then people were like, I don't want anything to do with that. Once it kind of changed over to the PDO thread, which is polydiaxinone, that's when it became safe for darn near everybody. I mean, of course there's some people that, you know, if they have, you know, uncontrolled diabetes or something, you know, that would be not a candidate for anything really. Right. So, um, my mom actually had, I don't know if we can name brand names. Can we name brand names? I mean, we're talking about PDO, but. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? We had the Insta lift at one of the offices that I worked at and very underwhelming. Yeah. My mom actually was a model for one of the trainings and I didn't see any change to this area, but mind you, she's also at that time, she was in her early seventies. Mm-hmm. My mom's got decent skin, great cheeks, but you know, jowling, marionette lines, nasolabial folds. But what we did see with the InstaLift was over time, her cheeks actually filled in. Mm-hmm. So she had more collagen in her cheeks. So it actually did look better, but it was, it took almost six months. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that's what people don't understand is that sometimes they, it takes a little bit of time. InstaLift to me is a little underwhelming. And I think it falls into the other categories, the other makers, um, because of, because InstaLift, they've got the cones and and, yeah. Yeah. It's polyalactic. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you have it where like you have like multiple different insertion sites, which I'm not saying is wrong at all. There's plenty of good ones that are like that. I just feel as if it's a little, um, what we're talking about is we're talking about lifting an area that's mobile. Okay. So we have fixed areas that are in the back portion of our face along our hairline. That's, those are all fixed tissue, right? So what we're talking about typically is, is that jowl area that moves, right? So we, we move our mouth or we're, we're making faces, we're smiling. It's, it's going to move, right? So when we're talking about lifting, we need to be able to grab these areas and, and attach them to a fixed area up into, you know, the hairline or wherever. Um, and in doing that, like PDO max, what we do is we'll place it down. Like, let's say I'm going towards the marionette, right? I'm going to come in through the temple area and not necessarily the cheek. So when I was taught with the one, the one company that was at NLI, we, I was taught to go in with right on the cheek right here. The problem is that it, with that is that there's nothing for it to adhere to, right? There's nothing here that's going to, you know, there's no fascia, there's no, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, you know, bone and muscle and, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a ligament here, um, but there's nothing for it to fix to, right? Um, I'm not saying that people don't get nice results with that. It's just, I, I felt very like, I felt like it just didn't give me the results that I was looking for. Now, you know, now I know that like there's certain areas on the face that have, you know, this fascia. And if you bury it in there, you will get a long lasting lift. And, you know, with what your mom was experiencing, this cheek area is something that I feel like people really don't even look at because we're usually looking at this area, but in moving all this up, and in fixing it in a lifted position, all this cheek area up and living, lifting it into a fixed position and up position, you're, once it adheres to that PDO and that PDO starts to dissolve and get replaced, you know, with your own um, collagen, it's, it'll actually fix a lot of this, this separation that we have in that mid cheek where the malar groove starts to go, right? It can help with that instead of doing filler. So I'll do a PDO thread lift on somebody in the cheek jowl area. And then I'll come back and say, do we, do we really need any filler right here to camouflage? Sometimes we don't, you know, cause how long, we, do you wait, how long do you wait to assess if they, do they either need more threads or then do you, how long do you wait until you assess if they need more filler or filler at all? That's a great question. It kind of depends on the patient. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything for two weeks. And that's another thing. I have a whole coming to Jesus talk with the patient before we do anything. I do consultation and then a separate, uh, separate appointment for the actual treatment. I want you to know the, the ins, the outs, the downtime, everything that's going to be associated. I want you to know that there's going to be two weeks of like, Hey, it's going to settle. It may not look perfect. And I'll, I'll elaborate on that. Um, I don't touch. And I think golden ruse rule, right? Two weeks. Right. I always say, I want to put, you know, tattoo realistic expectations on this arm and two weeks on this arm. Right. Because those are the things that I save the most. Right. So two, it's the golden two weeks. Right. Um, because there's going to be settling. So what I usually talk to them about in a consultation and the consultation is so important. 
it is not a lunchtime facelift. Like get out of here with that. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be downtime. If there, if I did something, you're going to have downtime. It's like lasers, you know, like there's a difference in IPL, right? Like IPL, when you do it and it's like really low, right? Cause you're just trying to get to know that skin. Did we get a clinical reaction from it? Is there going to be as much of a downtime from it? No, you know, like it's, they're not going to have very much downtime, but if you, you hone that in, right. You hone in the settings of the IPL and you apply it to somebody's face, man, you're going to have some downtime, but it's going to be so pretty, right? Like it's going to look great. Right. So same thing with PDO threads, right? Like if I actually did a reapproximation of that tissue, if I actually got that tissue to move, I gave you a non-surgical facelift, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to have a little bit of downtime. So what I usually tell somebody is three days downtime, where you're going to kind of feel like you got hit by a bus, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be, you're going to be tender, achy, sore, um, bruising is usually very, very minimal because we're subdermal. Okay. We're subdermal. We're below that dermis above the SMAS, right? So it's, if you do get bruising and it's deep, it usually comes to the surface. Now, newer providers are going to get more bruising because they're more likely to come up, come down, do these things back up, have to, re that's okay. Give them graces. Right. So, I mean, every once in a while, i I lose my, you know, the plane and I can talk about that as well. Right. So every once in a while I'll come too too superficial or too deep or got to back it up and then find that, that sweet spot again. Right. So, but usually it's not too bad, but they'll feel sore because what I'm doing is I'm coming in from the cheek area, the temple cheek area, and I'm coming down and for like the traditional cheek jowl, which is kind of your bread and butter, you know, you're going to basically put everybody into this one is going to go through that nasolabial fold. And, and, and pass it and then pull back up, you know, that way. And then there's going to be one that goes through the marionette, right. And pass the marionette. Cause you want to snag that, that little bit of um, tissue, right. You want to make sure it snags. And then one is going to go right into the, where that jowl is, right. So you've got three vectors pulling back and up. So this end point is going to be around the, the mouth. Well, this mouth area is really mobile, right? We talk, we eat, we, I mean, everything revolves around our mouth, really smile, mm -hmm. drinking, whatever. So they'll feel very tender in this area for about three days. And then it goes away. They might feel little zingers, which are kind of like it's tickling a nerve. So every once in a while, I go, Ooh, Oh, okay. I'm all right. You know, little lightning shock. And then you move on. Um, it's not anything crazy there. They don't need to be put on any nerve, anything there. There's no, if you're in the right plane, you're not going to damage a nerve. You're not going to have any, you know, you're not going to have any of these crazy, um, complications. We're not going to get tissue death. We're not going to, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing that's really going to like come up. The risks that we take injecting filler is way worse. You know what I mean? Than what we can do. Worst case scenario, I got to remove a thread. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's really not that big of a deal you flood the area. That's the most superficial with some lido with epi. You make a little incision with an 18 gauge and you pop that thing out. Pretty simple. Really? Right? It's that easy. Yeah. It's not hard. I, you know, it's, I feel, and I feel like that's what everybody gets hung up on is, Oh my gosh. And what if it's, it looks funny, just remove it, you know, just remove it. It's so easy. It's not like you're trying to figure something out and trying, I mean, it's very, very straightforward. And for what we do, for that to be kind of the, the, the major complication that we might run into, we have mm -hmm. to kind of take that with a grain of salt. We have to think about that. Right. 
compared to some of the other things that we do. Um, so there's going to be definitely three days of downtime, two weeks, I would say two weeks of social downtime. And this is just me, you know, this is what I tell my patients. Cause I just don't, I feel like as long as I'm giving these realistic expectations and I'm kind of prepping them for the worst, I don't have to hold their hand as much. Right. Like, it's just like, it's just like with fillers where if you tell them all the things, you know, oh, and this could happen and this could happen. And and then they're not calling you. Is this normal? Is this okay? You know? So with same with threads, I just go, Hey, you might have like a little bit of dimpling in this area. A little bit of dimpling is okay. It's okay. Right? Like it'll soften. It'll release. It means that I overcorrected, but you're going to move this area and it's going to drop even within 48 hours. It basically drops. But if they have a little bit of dimpling, I'm not like getting crazy. Now there's on the internet, there's people, you know, in other countries that they leave them like this, right? Like they pull them all the way up and then they're left like this. And then you see like the puckering and the skin back here. That's, we're not doing that. That's crazy. You know, it's just like the crazy lips that we see, you know, like not doing that. what's the Fox eye thing about? Cause I, I don't know. That's why I love having you on. Cause I don't know enough about it and I don't know what I'm looking at. So the Fox eye lift with threads, what is that about? What the hell is that? Um, I mean, I mean, I'm very, very frank about my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. My opinion is I'm not a big fan of the Fox eye. There's a reason why it came and it was on Instagram and it was everywhere and everybody was doing this Fox eye. Even I was doing it right. Like all the young girls were coming in. They wanted the Fox eye. This is what we want. I want to, I want to, you know, a brow lift. <sighs> it's underwhelming. And, and that's why it's kind of petered out and you don't see it as much anymore. Right. It was a big trend. And then it kind of fizzled out a little bit, because if you think about where the anatomy that we're, we're dealing with anatomy is always going to win. Okay. So we're talking about the eye area and around the eye area. And that's the abicularis um, oculi, right? So it's a big sphincter type muscle that's pulling down and in it's that purse string muscle, right? So it's always pulling down and in. So when you see these, you know, applications of the Fox eye, usually they're placing the threads on the lateral inner portion of the brow, right? So on, on the, the eye side of the brow, the lower portion of the, of the brow, that's their insertion point, And they're going in a reverse vector up towards the, the forehead. I have seen them last and I have seen them look really nice. Um, but at most people, it just doesn't give the result that they were hoping for. And mm-hmm. oftentimes that's what you're seeing. You're seeing it like right afterwards where it's still kind of in this lifted position right. within a few days, it pops loose a little bit. It might still be lifted, but not as extreme. So they're not as satisfied. If you, again, it's about managing those expectations. If you go, Hey, you're going to get one millimeter of lift. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, you know, you go, okay, cool. And then, you know, when you have them in that crazy lifted position, they go, oh gosh, this is crazy. Go, I'm glad you think that because it's going to drop. You know it's what I mean? What like, drives me absolutely insane is seeing the after photos on social media, especially with lips too. Mm-hmm. I try to have patients, I'm trying to only post people that come back two weeks later, right? Because the swelling, yeah. it goes down almost sometimes by 50%. The the sculpture afters, that's not the end result. That's because we just put 10 cc's of fluid in your face or 18 cc's in some cases. Yeah. So that, that's something that I I see with threads a lot is the immediately after, but I don't see a lot of, what does it look like two weeks later? 
a week or, you know, a month later. So that's, that's really common. And I have to say, um, I do have colleagues that are very good about posting them. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Um, very good at posting, you know, three months later, a year later. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just not, I, I feel like most of us are just not, I'm, you know, Marissa, I've, I've text messaged you. I don't even know how many times where I'm like, I just, suck. I suck. I, I get consents all day long on like beautiful work. And then I don't do anything with it. I don't post the pictures and I don't do anything. Um, I mean, I just, I just did a PDO thread not that long ago. And, um, I saw her like a few months later and I was like, this is so beautiful. Like, I love this so much, you know, like it just, it, it still is in this lifted position. Um, is it is lifted as immediately after? Well, no, same with the lips. Just like you were saying, like it's, it's a totally different thing right after there's swelling and bruising and you're high and tight and, you know, same with lips, you know, like you're bruised and, you know, or, or, you know, swollen or, you know, there's all these things, you know, well, I mean, it's different with us. Cause we know what it's like immediately after in the healing time, but for the consumer who's seen all these after photos, and then they're going in expecting it to look lifted like that. So they, it's hard to have that conversation with them. Like everything you're seeing on social media is not the end result. So they want a certain look. And most of the time we can't post what it looks like two weeks later, because sometimes we don't see them for a year. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why before and afters for talks is Mm -hmm. like, you don't really see it that much because you don't see them until they need it again. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's very rare that I get a really good before and after for um, talks in it as well, but it's been on the market for such a long time. You don't even need that. You know, they come in, they get it done and they're super stoked. Where again, PDO threads, I have very happy people that have come back for another round. Um, and that goes back to like how, what's the longevity, right? So oftentimes for these suspension ones, I, I, I like to put it now, you know, my boss might say something different at PDO max, but I like to put them in about a year. It depends on the level of correction, the weight of the tissue, but I say about a year, right? Um, and and in about a year, it can even still look really nice because there's certain again these these further back portions that you've repositioned. Those tend to tend to really stay in that lifted position. This starts to you know become a little bit looser again. And also, you know what I tell people: don't sleep on your face. <laughs> I just you know what I mean. I just I just suspended this tissue in an uplifted position. The minute you roll onto your face, you're pushing it in the opposite direction. So you've just undone everything that I just did. And there's some people that are like, well, then I can't do it. And I go, okay, you know, good. Don't do it. I I, I would hate for you to spend that money. And then it's like nothing right. happened because you slept on your face. Um, Since it's intradermal, Jess, like how do you approach lasers with that? Do you have them do their laser treatments prior then do the threads or can, is it the complete contraindication to do heat, heat based treatments with those intradermal? That is such a good question. Um, it depends on the manufacturer that is, um, that you're working with, but for PDO max, we actually really like heat afterwards because what it's doing is it's, well, it depends. It can break down the thread, but what happens when you're breaking down the thread? Your body doesn't just completely break it down. What does it do? It replaces it with collagen. So with some of them, 
yeah, I think it's great, but other heat base, not so much. So let me be specific. Radio frequency, I think is really good. Radio frequency with microneedling, old therapy. I think those are really good at stimulating collagen to grow quicker and faster. And we've seen some really, really pretty results with that. Um, now other heat based, you know, like a CO2 laser, I think is too much heat and it's not as focused as it needs to be. So you can, you can get this, like, is this good? Is that not good? What do I do? And there is like a little bit of a recommendation, you know, as far as like this type of laser is okay. This type of laser is not okay, but people like to, to, you know, err on the side of caution and go no lasers. Right. So I would be okay with somebody just going, okay, we're going to do all the lasers before we do the lift. And then we're going to do the lift. Right. So that would be the way to be like dummy proof, I know for sure I'm not going to, you know, accelerate any, you know, um, of the uh, dissolving. Right. Um, but again, what are you, what is your body doing? Right. It's creating that collagen, but you want to give your body enough time to create the collagen. And so that's why some of these big heat sources is too much heat because it's not allowing your body enough time to create that collagen. So it's, it's not, it's not an easy thing to answer. Um, but again, dummy proof is do all the lasers first, um, you know, a little bit more advanced is you can do some of those, you know, IPLs, CO2, some of those lasers first, do the threads, do some of the little guys for collagen stimulation, then go in with your, your radio frequency and you can boot, it's actually boosting the results because it's stimulating that collagen because radio frequency absolutely stimulates collagen and old therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so question about how, how these, the market on, of course, I'm, I'm thinking always on the business side and what, um, what people can expect, you know, when you're coaching your clients through this process, you know, there's different levels of, um, progression, I, I imagine. So maybe they start out with a little bit of a, a smooth thread and then they work their way up to more of a barbed thread. Um, what is, what, what does that conversation look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say it always go back. It always goes back to the consultation about like, what are their number one concerns? Because there's some people that come in and they're like never done anything and they want a thread lift. Right. And it doesn't mean that there's necessarily like a tiptoe effect where like, or, um, approach where like you do the little guys first, you know, the, the mono threads for the collagen stimulating in the dermis. And then go to the barbed ones, which are a reapproximation of that tissue subdermal. Um, I don't know that it's like you have to do one or the other. Again, it always goes back to like, what's the most bang for the buck with this patient? And I'd like to really say there's a huge conversation on the internet right now. And I feel like nobody's saying how threads can fix it. And it's tear troughs. Um, it's a, it's a whole conversation. It's been a conversation really amongst some of us, you know, older injectors for, I mean, probably the last five years, we've been talking about it where filler in the trough area is just not what we wished it was. You know, it's just, it's like, it's not behaving the way we want. Um, it's, it's, it's water loving product, right? So it uh, absorbs water underneath the skin. And if you think about on the under eye area, do you really want there to be a flux of water and, and volume in that area. Not so much. Right. And it moves and it just can be a real pain in the butt. Both had nodules. Yes. Right. And I still, I was telling you, I, I mean, every once in a while in the morning, I can see my old, uh, Volbella here. Mm -hmm. 
it makes me bitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every once in a while, I can see a little bit right here, but, um, I've been teaching people for a really long time that you put those little mono threads, right? The little smooths in the trough areas. And we're talking about true tear trough, not a herniated fat pad that now has a little bit of that dip underneath. That's different. Let's be honest. Let's talk about surgery, right? It just is what it is. Like this is a, a change in anatomy. But if somebody comes in, like I've had tear troughs my entire life, I've always looked <laughs> sickly, right? <laughs> I've always had this indent, right? And a true trough with dark circles. You know, I'm Eastern European. I have those dark, dark circles, right? So what you can do with the threads, which I think is really beautiful and really not being utilized the way that it should be, these little guys, you can truly put them like, five going this way, like towards that, that, the, um, the inner, uh, area of the trough, right. That we kind of always, um, focus on. And then one going lateral, right. That lateral as aspect, um, more horizontal, um, in that area that starts to kind of trough out. I've seen beautiful results with it. Hmm. no problems, not, not, not a problem, right? You know, it stays where you put it. What it does is it creates that collagen and it's just enough. It's you, it's hard to overcorrect with it. Right. So you put in five going this way, five going that way, you send them home, you have them come back and they go, wow. Okay. And it creates that collagen. So when you're creating collagen in between where you have that thin tissue of the eye area, and then those vessels, you really do help with discoloration as well. So I find that to be, I'm not going to get a vascular occlusion and cause somebody to go blind. I'm not going to have complications of it looking like crap in another month or two. I'm not going to have nodules, you know, because of certain products and the way that you place them or, or a patient's immune system, right? There's all these different things that come into, you know, play when you're thinking about, oh gosh, what I'm going to, I'm going to place this, you know, filler in this trough. I like every single time I have somebody on my schedule for a tear trough, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> great. But I have that conversation with them about, um, these little PDO threads. Now, if they have a tear trough, let's talk about threads. You're going to love that. If they have a herniated fat pad, let's, let's be honest, guys. If I'm only thinking about what I can do for them in my little bag over here, I'm not thinking about them anymore. I'm only thinking about myself and what, what I can sell them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I just try to keep it really, really realistic. And that's the same thing with the lifting, the lifting threads. Um, if you're a, a facelift candidate, please go and get a consultation for a facelift. They're not, they're not the ones that we used to see 20, 30 years ago where grandma all of a sudden looked like she was being hung up by her face. Right. People are still getting facelifts every day. They just, they look there. The technique is better, right? So let's just at least educate and have that conversation. I have people that go, they get, you know, consultations and they go, that's not for me. I want to invest in threads. Can we do that? And I go, yeah. And they're always happy because they know that this is better than doing nothing, but it's not the surgery that they didn't want to do, you know? That's so, that's so encouraging actually to hear these different ways that can be utilized in, in helping the patient really get those results because you're right the the NRI area has always been such a challenge um when when we talk about like and obviously everyone has different price points and different what what what's an average you know I guess range for for PDO threads if you're thinking about bringing into your practice 
What I, uh, it, it is very regional, right? So I have colleagues that are in, you know, big areas and they can charge a little bit more. And then I have a colleague that, I mean, I don't know where she lives, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a big area and she charges more than all of us, right? Like she's just, sure. <laughs> I mean, she's like, I mean, and she, and she's amazing and go girl, right? So but I'm going to just kind of give you some pricing as far as, um, PDO max suggests, and then you can kind of go from there. So, um, I want to say like for the, the lower eye area, like those little guys that I was talking about, I want to say they recommend 600 to 700. Mm -hmm. So it's like the price of a syringe, depending on where you are in the, in the, um, in the country, but you can, I mean, you can really kind of customize that. Maybe they need another treatment. So you go, Hey, I'm going to bundle this and I'm going to make it a different price. Right. Um, but the ROI is really nice. Now I apologize. I don't have that number off the top of my head as far as like what your cost is, but the ROI is like ridiculous. So, um, if I do a cheek jowl, right. If I do a cheek jowl lifting suspension, barbed threads, right. And I use three on this side on one side, and then I use three on the other side. I charge typically 1800 that ranges, that ranges huge, right? Like that could be, I have a colleague that she charges 3000 just for that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to be a little bit more, uh, affordable. I don't know. I just me for me that I, 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 1800 is great. Um, cause it's only an hour of my time. It's, you know, the, the threads themselves don't really, I'm only using six, you know, I mean, I'm only using six barbs. Um, it's certainly not the cost of a filler. It's much, much cheaper. Um, so the return on investment for one hour of my time and the product used, um, is really not that bad. With that being said, I do use a little bit of lidocaine with epinephrine, there are like, I use a hairnet. There's all these, there's obviously oh, yeah. other consumables that are at play there, but not, not anything crazy. Great. Well, I think that's amazing. So how, um, how many times are you so visit wise? So you, they do their treatment. I'm assuming their consult and their treatment is usually around the same day, if maybe not the next day or close to it. Mm-hmm. How many times do you normally, you know, require just for one good full, you know, A to Z um, series of treatments or maybe follow-ups and all of all inclusive, what, what does that look like? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, it's usually one and done. One and done. Yeah. It's usually a consult treatment and then I'll see them back for something else. You know, I might see them for their talks. You know, it's, it's typically not somebody that's just like kind of coming off the street. So I usually will see them for their talks a few months later, or, um, it, it's, I don't, I mean, I probably should do a specific follow-up. Um, again, that goes back to like, you know, to find the time and, you know, to, to put that, I, I work at a super busy plastic surgery, surgery center. Um, and it's just, you know, they're dealing with other things at the front. So it's not, it's not just this, you know, the med spa side, it's also, you know, surgery patients. Um, so, you know, it, it, it gets lost for me, but I know that I have a lot of colleagues that they'll have them come back, but often they come back for other things. They really do like the, the thread lift. And again, it's all about those realistic expectations. If you sell it as a, you know, lunchtime lift and no downtime and, um, you know, you're going to, it's, it's just like a facelift, you know, I don't even like to put it in the same category as a facelift. That's like ridiculous. I'm not cutting your face and cutting off. It sets you up for just unhappy 
patients if you're yeah. using that in your marketing. Yeah. Facelift and then they're in their head, they think they're going to get facelift results. They already have that in their mind when they come in for a consult. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, sometimes I'm like the the bringer of bad news. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they come in and I'm like, oh yeah, no, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no, none of that. Um, you know, and I I'll have them look in the mirror and I'm gonna pull back on their face. And if there's skin that bunches up that's like significant, right? You know, they're 70, they've lost weight or whatever, right? And they have a significant amount of weight loss or, you know, tissue loss. And they have that, the excess tissue that I can pull back. I show them that I am not cutting that off. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what a facelift does. They, they, you know, take that smaz, you know, and they reposition it and suture it. And then whatever is left, you know, hanging that skin, that's what they cut off. And that's why you don't have that pulled look anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just cut that off and they suture it. Right. And it's, it looks beautiful. I've been in facelifts surgeries and I just think that they're like amazing and I can't, can't wait to eventually get it and look 20 again. Right. Um, but in the meantime, yeah. Right. Um, but in the meantime, these are great, this is great. And I think it, it fits into, I would say, you know, all the tricks in my bag. It's not the first, just because I work for the company, it's not the first thing that I'm I'm going to pull people come in all the time and they go PDO threads. That's what I want. I want this, this, and this. And I look at them and I go, well, when you look in the mirror, what's your number one concern? And they'll, they'll say something. I'm like, well, that's skincare or that's, you know, a laser or that's, you know, maybe some filler or sculpture. Right. So I'll, I do sculpture like crazy, right. Sculpture is a wonderful biostimulator. And that's something I wanted to bring up as well. I think we're really seeing an evolution. I love my fillers and I love my talks, but I think we're really seeing an evolution of uh, biostimulators. And that's, I mean, PDO threads absolutely fit into that mm-hmm. because you're not placing something that's, you know, an implant per se, you're, you're, you're placing something that's going to stimulate your body to correct mm-hmm. itself. And so that's why I think we're, we're, I think that that's where we're at in PDO and PDO threads absolutely, um, deserve, you know, a, a seat at that table with biosimulators, with Sculptra, um, and with PRP and PRF. Um, and I think, uh, again, a lot of us that's been in the field for a long time, we're going more towards biosimulators and a little, a little less heavy. I still, again, still do. I love my fillers. I still do them, but I'm a little less heavy with them. How can I fix you to look like you and rejuvenate you? Right. That's all I want to do. I always say, I don't want to look as tired as I feel. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my, that's my medical. So great. You're saying that as, as the, you know, where the trends are going to that you're bringing that up because I, I actually just had that conversation with my staff. It's like, guys, we're going to learn filler and people are going to ask for it and we're going to know how to do it. But we are not that house. We're more of the house of like, let's get you to a place where you're doing a lot of natural stuff and as, as much as we can. And then we'll fill in the gaps with more of the, you know, other options. But, um, and I feel like the consumer is starting to think that way as well. Um, nobody wants to have that puffy face, you know, and they see it over and over again. They see it in their moms, they see it in their grandmas. And it's like, no, I don't want to age like that. So there is a whole nother um, new generation of aesthetics that I feel like the informed consumer, we just did a topic on this too, 
um, the, the informed consumer that's coming in with what we call the Santa Claus list and they, they know their products, they know their, their treatments there. That's what's happening in the industry now. And so to have this knowledge and be able to really, really exercise that muscle and say, you know, I've really put the time and energy and work into understanding how these technologies are going to help you age, you know, well and, and just in a very sound manner. Um, is so essential to, I think, any aesthetic provider's careers, not just, you know, the nurses, the doctors need to know about. It. Everyone needs to have that. If, if we're truly honoring, you know, the, the consultation, how we should. Yeah, absolutely. It, it goes back to my point of like, if I can only look at what I have in my bag mm-hmm. and I'm not really thinking about like what, what else is out there, you know, you have to educate yourself, right? What else is out there? Like, you know, I might have a woman that comes in and she's like, I want lip filler. This is what I want. But her, her white lip, you know, as or filtrum lip, right. From the base of the nose, to the top of the pink lip is elongated. And that pink lip is no longer showing anymore. And it's curled down and in, I can put filler in there all day long. It's just going to look like a sausage tube. You need a lip lift, which is a surgical intervention. I, it just is what it is. And most people don't even know about these things. And that's why they come to us. It's so we have that consultation and we say, Hey, these are all of the options presented to you. This is what I can do. And this is what I can't do. Don't come in here with a picture of, you know, amazing 20 year old lips and you're, you know, you don't have that anatomy anymore. We all age and you have to understand the aging process as well. And what, what's really happening to the anatomy. Um, you know, again, it goes back to that herniated fat pads underneath the eyes. You know, you might have a 20 year old that comes in with that. It's not necessarily age. It's about the anatomy and what their hereditary background is predispositioned for. Right. So if I say, Hey, I'm just going to camouflage that with filler, you're not going to look good. You know, you're in, in, and a lot of people to this whole thing where it's like, fill the cheeks, fill the troughs, fill, fill all this area. And as we get older, you know, you build up these Hills, you're going to get valleys, right? So their eyes look more recessed and they, they start to look a little bit older. Um, and I think it's just, I love that we have so much education out there and there's so many of these, you know, Frank conversations being, um, had, um, but I don't think it's enough. And, you know, I, I, I do think that biostimulators like PDO threads have a place. Um, PRP has a place. Sculpture has a place. And when you see somebody that looks good and they're thin for their age, like, oh, 35, 45, and they're thin and they don't have any fat and they look really good in their face. They don't look as old, you know, as they should look right. They're doing biostimulators. They're doing sculpture. They're doing PDO threads. You know, they're doing PRP. They're doing these things. And then a little bit of filler right? Whether they want to admit it or not. Absolutely. Jess, thank you so much. This has been so informative, so incredibly eye-opening. I'm just like thrilled actually. Um, I love your approach to everything. Your Instagram handle is even very much the modest injector, which is so, <laughs> so great. So, and so refreshing because that's, I feel like that's the true nature of this business and where it's going is that we we had all the tools and the per- the bells and the whistles and everything just because you can doesn't mean you should and really taking more of that disciplined approach and it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with how you're teaching your students and your clients and it's just you're definitely you've schooled me so thank you so much for joining us yeah I'm- oh thank you 
In the previous podcast, I think I said, I don't think I'm ever going to want to know or bring in PDO threads, but I think I am convinced. And I, are we, getting, are we, getting, are we doing a class? <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about it. And I want Jess to teach me if she'll you fly out. Are you in da- you're in Dallas now, right? I'm in the Fort Worth area, but I, I live right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. So I'm, I just kind of, I've worked in Dallas. I've worked, I currently work in Fort Worth, which is nice. Um, but I'm originally from Los Angeles. So I'm, I'm out there often, but I also real quick, um, I think the right instrument with the right technique, going back to that really makes a huge difference guys. Like, like I was saying, the ones that I was using prior, like I saw the potential, but like, I wasn't getting a lift and it was very hard to place because there's retaining ligaments in the face. And if you have a truly blunted cannula, that's an 18 gauge, that's huge guys. And you're going through and you hit a a retaining ligament, a ligament is like a beam, a structural beam, right? Uh, it goes from the top floor to the bottom floor, right? The top floor being the skin. If you hit that, that's going to absolutely drive you up or drive you down. But if you have uh, like an L-shaped, it'll you can pop it through and stay in the right plane. So I think there's little things like that that make a huge difference, a collective difference. Um, but also giving yourself some graces because I mean, even I myself was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is a different animal, but doesn't mean that I can't conquer this beast, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I can do this. It's just, and I see the potential. I just need to keep at it. And it's it's about being humble because I think some of the older injectors are the ones that are not older, <laughs> the more experienced um, injectors have the hardest time because it's a little bit of a humbling experience. But once you keep at it, you go, oh yeah, this is freaking awesome, you know? Sounds freaking awesome. Uh, I'm excited. I want to do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Thank you again, Jess. This has been so incredibly beneficial to, and I know our our listeners are going to love it, but definitely can't wait to share this with our nurses and just, we're getting ready. You know, we're, we're starting to venture into this space and um, we've been freaked out beyond words because we've seen all the horror stories too. And our plastic surgeon does them um, all day, um, but it's just one of these things. Like, do we really want to? We want to. It's like testing the waters. Like, it's too cold. It's too scary. I don't know. Yeah, okay. yeah, and it's just like bad lip filler. You know, you see that all over. Bad filler in general. You're going to see that more than you're going to see the the good stuff out there. The good work, right? So, and you just kind of, kind of, you, you got to just question it and have these conversations with people that you're like, well, she's doing it. And she's been in industry for a really long time and she's, she, you know, why, why is, why is she okay with it? Right. So I, I, you know, if you told me five years ago that I'd be doing PDO threads, let alone teaching them, I'd say, yeah, right. Cause I'm conservative. Like I'm, I'm very, very conservative. I'm safety focused. I'm result focused as well. So it it's, it's a beautiful thing. People need to just find the right, um, company for them and make sure that what you're getting is a good education and a good support system. And you're going to have a really, a really great tool, um, to offer some of your patients that are good candidates. They're going to be very, very happy. Very exciting. Awesome guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any more questions, please do reach out. Um, Marissa is at nurse Marissa on Instagram. I'm at loose lounge and um, again, Jess's um, Instagram is the modest injector, but do you have any, any other areas that you can be reached? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> Thanks again, guys. Have a Thank great Thank you so day. much. Yeah, right Thanks on. <laughs> Take care.